Welcome back to Can't Let Go, the NVN podcast where we discuss news and personal stories from the week that we cannot let go of. I'm your host, Jacob Lazaro, and I'm here with two new guests to the show. We have Libby and Priyanka. Guys, you want to introduce yourselves? Yeah. Hi, I'm Libby Berry. I'm the editor-in-chief of North by Northwestern, and I'm really excited to be on the show today. And I'm Priyanka Godbole, and I'm the politics editor of North by Northwestern, and I too am excited to be here today. Okay, Libby, do you want to get us started? My story this week comes from CNN. You might have seen some pics from it, but all five former living presidents made an appearance this weekend at a benefit concert in Texas to raise money for hurricane relief. And I just really like seeing the pictures of like all five of them sitting in a line, smiling. Some of them are so old. Like Jimmy Carter was there and he's great. He's like, what, almost 90, right? I think so. And he's, he's like old. still yeah. building houses for Habitat for Humanity. Like, I think he just offered to like negotiate with North Korea if needed. It's nice to see Obama out in public again. He's been kind of not hibernating, but he's been kind of off the grid. So it's great to see them all together again. And I thought it was really nice to see that show of unity from both sides of the political aisle. So my story this week comes from, surprise, another podcast. I'm really into this podcast called Reply All, which is from this company called Gimlet. So this week's episode was called The Skip Tracer, and it basically focused on um, this lady named Chris. So several years ago, they were in North Carolina um, driving to dinner. Um, She and her two brothers, they were on vacation, and they got into a really bad car wreck with this other car driven by this guy named Luis, and her two brothers were both killed, and then Luis was arrested. He also allegedly had a DUI. He was driving under the influence. He caused this terrible car wreck. He gets arrested. Um, eventually he gets released on bail. It's a really low bail. And um, Chris showed up at the um, jail to be there when he was getting his bail because um, she was sure he was going to like run and not show up for the um, court date. And she went up to him, um, is interviewed in the story. She says something along the lines of, you know, I want you to know like what you've taken from me, my two brothers. You know, I, we were like very close. And then according to her, he said, talk to my lawyer. And then he vanished. She eventually gets linked up with this bounty hunter named Michelle in Texas, who is like well known among the community of American bounty hunters for being really, really good. She got linked up to the bounty hunter through this interesting organization called the Remembrance Project, which is run by this lady called Maria and her husband. And what the organization does is um, advocate um, for people who have had their family members killed or had crimes committed against them by undocumented immigrants. So um, Maria, who's the lady who runs the Remembrance Project, um, contacted Chris, got her story, and then contacted Michelle, who's the bounty hunter, and is getting her to um, try and find Luis because the Remembrance Project, as they're interviewed in the story, they want to use Luis as like their their big publicity case for like why um, undocumented immigrants are bad and they cause like lots of crime. So that's the levels of political intrigue. But basically, she figures out that um, the reason he was released on um, a low bail easily was because that he was not an undocumented immigrant. He had um, an interesting thing called like. It's, it's not asylum, but it's like a temporary right to stay because um, he was from Honduras. And back in Honduras, um, the gangs there had ele- had apparently um, executed his mother like in front of him. So he came to the U.S. like fleeing gang violence. So he's afraid that if he, Luis is afraid that if he goes back to Honduras, he'll get killed. So that's why the police were not able to like hold him. It was, he was able to get this low bail and get out and then he eventually left. But the whole specter of the story is that Michelle thinks that he's now in Spain. Because Michelle was like, if he comes back, he can get asylum because he's fearful of, you know, the violence in his home country. But then Truthy was like, I've talked to several immigration lawyers, and that is probably not going to happen. They'll probably just deport him. So it's like this really interesting thing of 
there's this lady in all, all the beginning named Chris who just wants like closure for you know her two brothers who were killed in this you know terrible car crash, and then there's Michelle who's kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because she feels like by the end of the story she was talking about how she felt like deep empathy for this guy named Luis because he was feeling all this violence in his home country, but she felt like he needed to come to justice in the United States. So she wasn't like she was af- afraid that if she found him, then he would you know she would be inadvertently sending him to his death because he would probably get deported. And then there's the whole thing of the Remembrance Project. He wants to use Luis as their, like, test case, but then it turns out he actually wasn't an undocumented immigrant. And, like, also the statistics about crimes committed by undocumented immigrants, like, it's it's just not true that they commit inordinate amounts of crime. Um, so it's really interesting to, like, see how political actors kind of frame yeah. these issues for their own benefits, even if it's not even true, like, this man's status, like, he was a legal immigrant, so it's really interesting that they got involved. Out of curiosity, what exactly was Luis's status in the United States? Like, did he have a visa or a temporary green card? They didn't really say. Um, he came to the country as an undocumented immigrant, but then when he was here, he ended up with some sort of status as, like, temporary, there's a name for it, I'm not don't remember the top of my head, but it's basically temporary asylum because he feared violence in his home country, but he was, he did not have like a permanent residency or any sort of long-term legal status. It was like apparently a temporary thing. Okay, so on another slightly serious note, my story this week comes from the New York Times. It's headlined, I was willing to do everything, mothers defend sons accused of sexual assault. Oh. This story kind of shows the other side of the coin um, regarding Betsy DeVos's rescinding of Obama-era guidelines on campus sexual assault. Mm -hmm. The four women's sons were all accused of sexually assaulting college women on their respective campuses. Mm -hmm. And all four of these women really were for Betsy DeVos's rescinding this crucial piece of legislation Mm -hmm. as they believed that while their sons may not have intentionally been wrongfully accused the consequences for their sons were kind of taken too far in their opinions as mothers and their kind of fierce maternal instinct kicked in. And in the story, they're quoted as saying that they would have done anything to prevent their son's futures from being ruined oh, as yeah, mothers. You know, their son's future was the one who really got ruined in the situation. I guess it's just family relations. Like, yeah. it would be hard, I guess, to to kind of stand up against someone that you really love and care about. One of the most interesting parts of this that really stood out to me was that when the New York Times shared this article on Facebook, the quote they used in the Facebook caption was this one. One mother, Judith, said her son had been expelled after having sex with a student who said she had been too intoxicated to give consent. And Judith was quoted saying, In my generation, what these girls are going through was never considered assault. It was considered... I was stupid, and I got embarrassed. So that kind of really shows how this article is kind of showing the extreme opposite side of all the other women who are completely against what DeVos is doing. So now we're going to move on to personal stories for this week, and um, I can start. My friend Paola, who has been on the show previously, had um, never been to a corn maze because she is not from the Midwest. She's from Miami. Justin is from the Midwest. Tony is also from the Midwest. I am from Charleston, South Carolina, but I have been to corn mazes before. So Powell was like, I need to lose my corn maze virginity. So um, there was a fall festival at the Lincoln Park Zoo um, this Saturday. So we went down there. Then we go to the corn maze. Powell was 
fucking pumped. She was like, oh my god, this corn maze is going to be so great. Never been to a corn maze before. We go into the corn maze, and instead of being, in my opinion, an actual corn maze, they had taken stalks of corn, like dried ones, and um, stapled them to wire fencing and arranged the fencing in a maze shape. So it was like you walked into the maze, and you, you know, it was tall. You couldn't see. But it was like not a true corn maze. But did she think it was a true corn maze? No, no, I don't think she thought it was a true corn maze, but and she's not here, so I'm not going to you know, drag her. But, like, I felt sad that her first corn maze experience was this kind of pastiche of what a corn maze supposedly is. As a Nebraskan, I can speak to corn mazes pretty in-depth, and it sounds like what you guys experienced was kind of a fake corn maze. But if it pleased Paola, then that's really all that matters. So this weekend... Libby and I decided to go to Devon Street as a kind of post-Diwali celebration on and, Friday. And what is the significance of Devon Street? Devon Street is basically called Little India mm-hmm. in Chicago. So we went up to, went down to Devon Street and we ate dinner at this really delicious place called Garib Nirwaj. But after that, we went to a dessert place, which is just an Indianized bakery. So the desserts were mainly the the new thing that I had tried. And I really liked all of them. They were great. Um, so we, like, finished up eating, and then we called our Uber to go back to Evanston. And in the car, like, my mouth started feeling, like, really dry. And, like, my lip was pulsing. And then it, it became, like, more difficult to swallow. So I was like, hmm, this is kind of weird. And apparently Priyanka heard me making a weird throat noise because I was like trying to like test like how well I was swallowing but I was like trying to stay calm I'm like maybe I'm overreacting um we get back to Evanston and Priyanka has all of our leftovers so I was like oh like I'll help you carry them inside but mainly I just like didn't want to be alone in case I started like dying or something (laughs) so we like went inside and I was like um Priyanka like I think I might be having an allergic reaction I don't know um so Priyanka gave me a Benadryl she thinks that she should be, like, a pre-med student because she knew to give me a Benadryl. And I, drank I agree. S- I'm leaving the dill tomorrow. <laughs> and I drank some water, but I still was feeling really weird. So Priyanka and I made our way to the emergency room, <laughs> oh no. which was just, like, ridiculous. And I checked in, and then they, they made me wait forever. And they were like, yeah, if it gets worse, like, make sure you tell someone, like... I guess if I, like, couldn't breathe, like, they would want to know. So, at this point, Livy was fully admitted into North Shore Hospital. (laughs) It was what you would call lit Friday night. But I was really glad I got to get out of the main waiting area because a lot of families with little kids who were really sick were coming in, and I didn't really want to watch that. But then things got kind of wild because... Priyanka realized that she needed to turn in a Spanish assignment by midnight. Oh, no. <laughs> and we were at the hospital, and she's like, I don't know what to do. Like, I was like, well, I'll call you an Uber because her phone had died. And then she's like, no, like, I'll figure it out. Um, and she was able to call a friend that she lives with and, like, have this person submit the assignment on her computer just, like, just in time. But... Yeah, Priyanka was being a true friend. She almost failed an assignment so she could stay in the hospital with me. Hashtag my true Northwestern. Yeah. I should point out it was a midterm essay. Oh, that's even worse. Not have been accepted, (laughs) and I will never procrastinate again. (laughs) So that's our show this week, and you can find this show on northwestern.com. 
of course, but it's also in the iTunes Store and in the Google Play Store. Just search Can't Let Go or North by Northwestern, hit subscribe, and you'll get a notification whenever we have a new episode for you. Our theme song is Little Lily Swing by Tritachion under a Creative Commons attribution license. I'm your host, Jacob Lazaro. I'm Priyanka Gaboli. And I'm Libby Berry. And this is NBN Audio. wearing like a plaid shirt under a blazer which just like seems so Bill Clinton to me like kind of trying to be like folksy and like a relatable Mm -hmm. guy but he's he's getting older too like he he's definitely showing his age a bit